Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. And welcome listeners back to the podcast, God Beyond the Bible. I think this is episode eight, and uh, I'm present. I'm present too. So am I. Okay, so we have Alan present, Tabitha present, and Trayson present. That's our last names. The uh, This is God Beyond the Bible by Seekers for Seekers. And uh, have we got any shout outs from the, now I think up till now, now what, have four episodes aired at this yes. time of this recording? Because we're recording like four episodes ahead. Right, I just want the right. viewers to know that when we talk, if we say anything about the weather and what the weather is like and stuff, you say, wait a minute, this is June or what, but we're, these are all pre-recorded as you all Yes, and episode four just released, and one of the shows. And that was in January, I don't know the date. Episode four released Friday, the last Friday in January. Yes. No, this, the last Friday in January. Okay, all right, all right, let's let's, let's get out of that. Okay, (laughs) what about some shout outs here? Um, A shout out to Richard in Winnipeg, Canada. Wow. He's been listening. Richard, kudos, kudos. Richard, we've got out of the United States. Oh, no, some of them we don't know, though. Because some no. of them are unidentifiable. We just see that yes. someone's listened, and we just sometimes we don't know where, right? Right, right. right. Okay, all right. And so but just a thanks to all those. And I want to shout out to my buddy Kirk again. He always, yes. he texts me. He knows me personally. He texts me and says, wow, great, great episode. You know, he always does good. He's an encourager. Thanks, Kirk, in Arkansas. And thanks to all those who listen, follow, and subscribe. And you can find us at godbeyondthebible.com. You can search us on Facebook at God Beyond the Bible. And you can send us an email and let us know what you think. We have a contact page on our website at godbeyondthebible.com. And we also have an email address. You can send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com. All right. And I just have a trace and put a podcast deal on my thing. I can go right to podcast. But easiest way I can find it is go online and go godbeyondthebible, all one word, dot com. And then punch on episodes, and it shows every episode. So that's that's a, it. it's an easy way on your phone. Or All right, this segment, we're going to be talking about the taboo subject of reincarnation. And we're going to only have two episode, two segments in this episode because they're going to be kind of lengthy. And so try to stay in our th- around the 30-minute mark here. Uh, so we're going to talk about just get jump right into it. How long has the concept of reincarnation been around? And uh, we're going to talk, let's define reincarnation. Reincarnation is the philosophical or the religious concept that an aspect of a living being starts a new life in a different physical body or form after each biological death. 
uh, it's called rebirth or transmigration and and it's part of a bunch of different doctrines I've written some down here and I'm not gonna go to all those it's just there's a lots of different ones that have this doctrine but it might help us to consider whether we think a person exists in spirit or soul before birth uh, that was just a thought I had in other words do we exist in some form before we're born into the body and at that point we become conscious that we do exist or at that point of conception do we become an individual a whole new soul and receive a soul that has just come into existence for that person and that purpose what do y'all think in my personal opinion i think that the soul exists before we're put into this body um a couple of bible verses i pulled up that i feel like are probably where this concept came from for me okay ezekiel twelve seven says dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to the god who gave it in other words like we're a little piece of god all mm -hmm. life is a little piece of God. Well, the Native Americans kind of thought that, right? Everything living yeah. was a little piece mm -hmm. of God. And when they'd kill a buffalo, they would commit the spirit back yeah, back to God and, you know, and, and use it wisely. Good thought. And another really popular one is Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Yeah, and, and a lot of people want to take that as predestination verse. And, you know, I've never thought of that as a as a incarnation verse that God knew. That's pretty cool, Tracen. Thanks. One might question how it is that our particular soul or spirit is matched up with our body. Is it like buying gumballs from the gumball machine? Which, <laughs> I know you guys are going to laugh at that, but whichever soul is next in line, I'm just being serious. Whichever soul is next in line is matched with whichever body's conceived next on earth. I mean, who decided you were going to be an American or are you going to be in a Muslim country? Or I mean, who, who made that decision? We didn't get a choice, right? No, I've always kind of wondered in my generation it was the ladle of spirits being picked out and just poured over and they just <laughs> land wherever land okay uh plato who lived in the fifth fourth century bc believed in an immortal soul that participates in frequent incarnations but there is evidence uh it was part of belief system that predates the writers of the bible itself it's not clear if the tombs and the burial burial sites have been that have been discovered with all these vast uh stashes of provisions and gold and other uh, precious and valuable objects was intended for a return to earth or a journey to another place. The jury's still out on that. Now, we don't want to get too bogged down in the origin of the concept or belief or the explanations many of the Eastern religions give for their belief in it. We really want to devote this episode to some modern-day examples of different people who seem to show some real evidence of having lived before as someone else. That's the intent, right? Yeah. And I want to say right here, a disclaimer, we're not saying we... I'm not saying I believe in reincarnation. I'm just saying that it's it's, it's a concept that's been around a long time. And, and there are little bits of the Bible we're going to talk about that kindly lean that way. And the point of our podcast is to, to explore these things. We don't want to limit God in any way, shape, or form of what he's capable of. Yeah, and God's not going to beat us up because we think about these things. You think, there again, I want to use a phrase I used in an earlier episode. God doesn't look down and say, well, I never thought they would do that or they would yes. think about that. He, he already knows. Uh, at first, a believer in Christ, such as we all are here at God Beyond the Bible, we might think this topic is taboo and just too mystic, or some might go as far to say anything connected with reincarnation is all from the dark spiritual side, but i got to say not so fast. And let me tell you, I'm going to say right here, this is a good place to say, every, we jump to that every time we can't explain something, it's the devil. Yeah. It's demons. Yes. That's demon activity. Yeah. You've had the, this is demon activity. You know, that's our go-to, right? If we can't explain it any other way, it's demonic. And uh, that's just, yeah, boy, we give the devil a lot of credit, don't we, for a lot of <laughs> yes, stuff. I mean, I'm being serious that we do. Uh, in our Bible, uh, there are more than just hints of the idea of a soul or a spirit living in more than one age. Uh, 
One might start with the expectation of Elijah to return as the forerunner to the Messiah. In Malachi 4.5, it reads like this. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. And then if you look in Luke chapter 1, verse 11, when Zechariah, remember John the Baptist's father, yes. when he got the prophecy there in the temple, he said he will uh, he will be, uh, he will be, you know, was told by the angel that he will be Elijah. That's basically what was told. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm just throwing this out there really quick because this first part we got to get done pretty quick. Then in Matthew 11, 12 through 14. Now, this is a really interesting one. And this is Jesus speaking about, he's talking about John the Baptist. And he reads like this. Uh, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, this is the verse I want to look at. If you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah. The one the prophet said must come. And then he goes on and says, anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And, of course, then in Matthew 17, 10 through 13, a discussion following the event of the transfiguration says, then his disciples ask him, why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? And Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, but he wasn't recognized. And they chose to abuse him, and in the same way, they will also make the Son of Man suffer. And then the writer John, or the writer Matthew, puts the footnote. Then the disciples realized he was talking about John the Baptist. Now, one might argue that since Elijah was taken in a whirlwind and a, from a fiery chariot, that he never really died. Therefore, he this is not a statement of reincarnation, but he says he must come back. Right. But one must admit is that has it has a hint of reincarnation when the disciples determined that Elijah had returned but as John the Baptist. Well, uh, and we know that John the Baptist was born, so it had to be a reincarnation of sorts. And I'm going to skip a little bit in the Revelation where it says, talks about the one who was, who was, was is not, and will be. That's mm -hmm. in Revelation 17, 10, 11. But one more place that I think is important, and a lot of people don't look here. Uh, preceding Peter's great confession, remember his great confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus asked the question, who do men say I am? The disciples answered with, some say you're Elijah, the prophet, or, or this prophet, or that prophet. Some say you are John the Baptist. And then he asked Peter, of course, who do you say I am? And that's where the great confession comes. Interesting that so many thought Christ was a reincarnated prophet, and there was no real reaction from Jesus concerning their suggestions. What do you think about that? I thought that was pretty interesting because he never even batted an eye. Like, why would you think that that's I would be? Yeah, That's crazy. Too. He yeah. didn't even say, get behind me, Satan. Not at all. In this. Interesting that so many thought Christ was re a reincarnated prophet and there was no real reaction from Jesus concerning their suggestion. It would seem that reincarnation was such a widespread common concept that no one would be surprised for Jesus to have been reincarnated. After all, remember, they were looking for Elijah too because mm -hmm. they asked him, said, Lord, thought Elijah was going to come. And then, of course, King Herod, he thought, you know, Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated. <laughs> and that's just so wild for me because they were just six months apart in age, if I understand my Bible. Yeah. So. Uh, and then we, uh, so uh, we're just going to kind of fade out, I think, with that because we've got some stuff in the second segment that we want to talk about. Do you guys have anything to add in this first segment? I think we covered it pretty well. I think so. Uh, I've got some other stuff that I could throw out there to you, a bunch of other scriptures and some stuff and some studies that I've done. But I'm just going to say this to you. Go to 
go to, I want to recommend factsarefacts.com and reincarnation go in there and it'll really tell you how the reincarnation the reincarnation part of Christianity got stamped out. Interesting. Welcome back to our second half of our podcast, a podcast made by seekers and for seekers, God Beyond the Bible. Today we're discussing reincarnation and asking the question, is there any evidence to support it? And here in segment two, we're going to take a look at people who claim they have memories of a former life in a former time. And I'm going to tell you about uh, one of the most convincing ones that I've, I've watched these people. I've read the testimony. I've watched them, looked in their eyes even. And I think this is pretty, this is pretty, con- and you, you're going to, ha- I'm, we're not trying to convince you that there's reincarnation here. I'm just saying, folks, we, we've got to be open-minded. I mean, and, and you know, we can't, the go-to thing can't be, well, it's demonic. It's all demonic. Right. It's just, this little child had a demon. He had a demon that was, you know, so let's just go and here we go. James Lindiger was a child who showed evidence of memories of being a fighter pilot of World War II some 60 years prior to his own birth. Between the age of one and two years old, James developed an interest in airplanes. Uh, it's practically all he would play with. During the period of about two to three years old, he developed nightmares where when, uh, when awakened, he would tell his parents that the plane was crashing and on fire and the man couldn't get out. Still, his infatuation with planes only increased. At about three, while visiting a, a park where a World War II-type plane was displayed, little James did not climb over the, all over the plane and in the cockpit like most three-year-olds. His mother noticed that instead he'd walk around the, uh, under the plane, pointing and touching the different parts of the plane as a pilot would do in a pre-flight check. Hmm. James' parents, Bruce and Andrea, said that there was no place in little James's world where he was being influenced by books or television in the area of planes and war. His television was limited to Barney and Teletubbies. That'll kind of date him on it. <laughs> and they were careful not to even expose him to the news. When Andrea's, Andrea's mother, James's grandmother, suggested that James was exhibiting signs of reincarnation and uh, Andrea couldn't wrap her head around it, and his father, Bruce, would have none of it. In his words, he offered a respectful baloney. Even when his mother Andrea connected with renowned reincarnation specialist Carol Bowman for insight into her young son's odd exhibitions of speech and behavior and following Bowman's advice to allow their son to talk openly about his experience, his father Bruce still rejected the idea and he believed there had to be a logical explanation and he set out to piece together the details of little James's claims so he could debunk this reincarnation theory. James then, about four years old, would tell his dad that the plane he flew crashed and burned. When asked how it crashed, he told his father it was shot down. When Bruce asked James who shot it down, James, little James replied, the Japanese. Bruce carefully kept notes and details. And when asked about, it, about what his name was when he was a pilot, the young boy would respond, James. They just thought he didn't understand the question. But notice that he referred to himself as James III and would even sign his Crayola drawings, the name James, followed by the number three. When asked what plane he flew, he responded, a Corsair, which even his parents didn't know at the time was a World War II fighter. James told his dad that he flew his plane from a boat and that he had a pilot friend whose whose name was Jack Larson, who it turned out was still alive, living in Arkansas. James said the name of the boat he flew from was the Natoma, which was a ship that fighter pilot Jack Larson also flew from. 
Further research by James's father revealed that only one pilot was known to have been shot down from the squadron of the Natoma that Jack Larson flew with. His name was James M. Houston, Jr. He died when his Corsair fighter was shot down over Iwo Jima. Uh, to further deepen the mystery, James' father, Bruce, came across a man named Ralph Carver, who was a tail gunner on another plane who witnessed the shooting down of James M. Houston's Corsair fighter. It happened exactly the way young James Lenegar had described with a direct hit in the nose of the plane. It burst into flames. It plummeted to the earth without the pilot, James Houston, being able to escape. By this time, James's father, uh, Bruce Lenegar, had gone from skeptic to believer. In spite of the criticism from the professionals like Dr. Paul Kurt, who insists that uh, the whole story is a fantasy uh, concocted by the child at the cue and direction of his parents, Dr. Kurt, of course, admittedly does not believe in soul, spirit, or any form of afterlife. He's strictly a scientist. However, when little James Lenegar's story was related to deceased World War II pilot James M. Houston's sister, she said the details this child knew of her brother's life are irrefutable. She can only believe little James Lineger was somehow connected to her brother who died some 60 years ago. As James grew older, his love for planes did not cease, but his memories of his life as a pilot, James Houston, did slowly fade away. Bruce and Andrea said the Holy Experience did challenge and broaden their whole view of God and the afterlife to include the possibility of more than one life on earth. What do you think? I, I did a lot of research into this, and I found a lot, but I think Tabby had something she wanted to... I, I watched this, and I really, honestly, I, I have to say, I haven't given reincarnation a whole lot of thought until recently. Right. And, um, you know, I'm not saying my mind is made up one way or another, but I just think it's very freeing for us, and even in our spiritual walk, to just open our minds up to the possibility that we might not know everything, everything? there is to know. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's back to, you know, remember, this is God beyond the Bible. We're back to talking about, we're back to talking about, you know, uh, that things that the Bible might allude to. We might could find it in there. We just don't want to see it. Do you guys something, Tracy? Yeah, I started doing a little bit of research and ended up reading story after story of some of these reincarnation stories. And some of them, you know, when they do a little bit of looking into them, the story starts to crumble. But one I found that really didn't was a little boy named Ryan from Oklahoma. And when he was four, he started having nightmares. When he was five, he told his mom that he used to be someone else, which she just kind of blew off as a kid's imagination. But he would cry and beg his mom to take him home back to Hollywood, which he'd never been to. Hmm. But here's where the story starts to get wild. He starts telling stories about meeting Rita Hayworth, dancing <laughs> on Broadway, traveling overseas, and working at a talent agency. His mom goes and gets a library book full of movie publicity shots and starts going through it, thinking it'll help the boy's imagination and relax him because he's crying constantly wanting to go home to Hollywood. So she gets this book and he's going through it and he points to this one boy. He points to this man in a 1932 Mae West film called Night After Night and says, that's me. That's who I was. So... His mom insists at this point in the interview that, like any good Baptist, she did not believe in reincarnation. <laughs> right. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> she got another book from the library by a man named Jim Tucker, and she writes to him telling her about her son's story. Mm -hmm. So the man who Ryan claimed to be was Marty Martin, 
and his life really wasn't highly publicized, and there was really very little information about him. So this isn't something this child could have just picked up exactly, at five years old. Right. He couldn't have. This is not, you know, and this is, is this before internet age or? Um, it was around the but, time I mean, that it was becoming he's popular. He's, he's not going to concoct. Yeah. I mean, you know, the parents might concoct this for him, but, you know, these people, if you look at them, they're generally con- gen- genuinely concerned. There's something wrong with my child here. Right, yeah. Right. But go and ahead. So, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. So the mom sits down with this Dr. Tucker and writes down little Ryan's story, and he goes and meets with Marty Martin's sister, who was still alive. Okay. And of the 57 clear details that Ryan gave, his sister was able to confirm 51 of them. She oh, said wow. the other six were things she just wouldn't know. Wow. Um, but it turned out that Dr. Tucker, a couple of years later, would hear about a young man named James on TV. And he would go on to investigate his story and write about his case and several others. And it became his sort of lifelong following was to search out these and, and there's been more than one person there's been more yeah. than one specialist who has compiled lots of these and have become convinced i mean there's people who have it's been their life work yeah to interview people that have had and the james that he went on to interview was james Lineker. james Lineker, yeah the same doctor mm-hmm. same doctor uh, interviewed him and uh, you can go online. You know, we live in this age of free exchange of information. And, guys, you can find just so much stuff. And, you know, we're here. What, what did you say a while ago, Tracing, before we started this episode? Uh, you know, if you've listened to the eighth episode up till now, the eighth episode, you're probably going to go ahead and listen. Yeah, you have to be fairly open-minded to step into everything that we go through in these episodes. You have to be able to either accept it or at least question the validity of it right and uh and and you've got to be open-minded i mean you just got to look at it and say are we just going to close our minds and say these people are all just a bunch of freaks (laughs) freaks and liars and 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 you know i'm not going to do that to another person's experience i'm not going to do it Uh, we have all of this preaching today that where people try to say they had this experience and but i have the word and and you know experience does not supersede the word of god and listen guys you're not going to tell somebody they don't have the experience. You're not going to tell Ezekiel. Are you going to tell Ezekiel that he did not have the experience of this spaceship that he encountered? No. Are you going to say, but, but Ezekiel, that, you're nuts? it's in the Bible, it's so easy for us to grasp, and we take it verbatim, but we ha- that's where we what if Ezekiel, the What if Ezekiel I mean, had been a lost book? Right. Well, what, we would we be, what would we be saying about Ezekiel right now exactly. on, this, on this show if Ezekiel had been excluded? I'm surprised he wasn't. <laughs> but but Ezekiel had been excluded. What would we be talking about? And there'd be people rolling their eyes, listening to this, and roll. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ezekiel. He's apocrypha. Don't yeah, listen. You can't. Oh, so I'm just. And I don't want to offend anybody. I love y'all. Love y'all. Love yes, everybody. Yes, yes. <laughs> we do, we do. Love everybody. And I can tell you from experience, I am probably one of the biggest skeptics. You guys yeah, know because you're always picking on Tabitha me. Tabitha the antagonist. It <laughs> takes me a long time to come around. But when I got to the point where I realized that it's okay to question, it's okay to not know everything, and it 
it can really do some wonderful things for your it makes God does it make God smaller no no in no way God is bigger it's made him bigger than I could ever have imagined that he's and he's got this all figured out he's got all of this in his hands he's got the as little Sawyer sings it he's got the whole world in his hands and he's got everything in there oh well are we uh I'm just looking to see how we're doing on time. Well, we've still got some more time here. So, Tracy, you had some more. Did you have something else that you wanted to share with us? You Now, now the same doctor that – what did you say the little boy's name was in Oklahoma? So, Ryan. Ryan. So, somebody mm-hmm. wants to research that. They'll come up with it. Um, another one of the stories that Dr. Tucker shares that he thought was really interesting was a little boy who claimed that he was his own grandfather. <laughs> And I, I watched that yes. one. I did. And yeah. when the story I think I've com- seen it, but I didn't watch it recently. When the story comes through, you're going, you know, his dad was, okay, you're your own. And the little boy would say things like, well, I used to change your diapers. Oh, yeah, or, I did come across that one. And it, it was very convincing. It was. Well, when it turned out, they set this little boy down and asked him some really pointed questions because his grandfather had passed away a year before he was even born. Right. So they set this little four-year-old boy down, and he was talking about a sister, which he had a sister who was living. Well, now, wait a minute. The little boy had a sister of his own. The little boy had own. a sister of his yes. own. Okay, okay. But then he starts talking about his other sister from his other life when he was his grandpa. So that would have been his grandpa's sister. Yes. That would have been his great aunt. His great aunt, okay. who had passed away some 20-something years ago. And he, they asked her, so, well, what happened to her? They said, well, a man hit her and put her in the water, and he she said, died. He said. The little boy said. said a man put her in the water, and she died. And it turned out that his sister had, they had found her in a lake after she had been killed. And there was no way for this little boy to know the story about his great aunt's death. Wow. And I know what skeptics are going to say. Well, they've heard the parents, because that's Dr. Yeah. Kurt. I talked to him. It was his, the child has overheard the parents talking about these things, and they have made this story up by parents talking about and you know I've been around a few kids, and uh, kids are pretty honest. Well, I think Jesus, why Jesus said out the, you know, that He said, unless you come as a little child, children believe what they. The uh, most, the most powerful moment for me in it was when they asked the little boy, and of course they did a lot of the interview of him on video, so they had absolute proof right. of this is. And they asked him, they said, "Well, how did you, how did you die before?" And the little boy grabbed his head and he jerked backwards and fell over. And as it turned out, his grandfather had died from a cerebral hemor- hemorrhage. hemorrhage. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, you know, the mom said, even if we had said a cerebral hemor- hemorrhage before, we there's no even, way. We he, can't even say it yeah. now. <laughs> he, said that, <laughs> he said, there's no way this little boy would have known what that was yeah. to realize. And so this is their experience. And there's, this is just a couple out of thousands if not hundreds of thousands and so are we going to just put them all as fruitcakes are we just going to say they're all just crackpots and i'm not going to i'm not going to make that judgment i'm not going to say that about these people i could only imagine what it'd be like for your child because tabitha's son blake he always had a little experience that we had Mm -hmm. in one of our buildings in one Mm -hmm. of our former studio buildings that he used to see someone there and he would just get so frustrated when me as his grandpa wouldn't see that say papa can you not see that girl and i mean he could he was like one of these children he could articulate at two years old yeah and and he what was so interesting he did it multiple times and it was the same description yeah every time papa that little girl look at her and i would get down on my knee and look like he looked up in the window that he was looking at and i say son i can't and he would get so frustrated and then as he grew older he just 
stop seeing and it. And I've talked to him about it, and I said, son, you remember seeing that? He don't know no. what I'm talking about. No. And S- this is a little boy who, you know, he was the first child. He was in no way exposed to any scary movies. No, any, no, no, no. You couldn't. You couldn't because he had nightmares anyway. Exactly. So, you, uh, so you could. So we could. We couldn't. We couldn't let him. him. We couldn't let him watch a risky Barney episode. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Ernest. He saw Ernest. What is that movie that Ernest? Scared, scared, stupid. stupid, and he had nightmares. That for, was weeks of bad dreams. Yeah, bad dreams. But anyway, that you know. So guys, you know, you're not going to tell me I didn't have that experience with him or that he didn't. Now he doesn't even remember it now. No. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly all right. He's 13 now. And as yeah. an and adult, fine. and it's probably getting into something we may do in a future episode, but I have experienced things that I cannot in any way, shape, or form explain what I saw you can rationally. Call it, you can call it deja vu. I can show you a house that I passed by that I didn't know existed, and I had been in that house. Mm-hmm. And I dreamed about that house, and, and, I can ex- and I still haven't been in that house. But I know what that house looks like inside. I've been in that house. It's, wow. it's between... It's here in Central Arkansas, and I didn't even know the house till one day I was driving by, and I looked down. It's way off the road, and I told my wife, I said, I've been in that house. And, of course, she— <laughs> Except I haven't, wow. but I've been in it. But I've been in it. <laughs> and I've done that multiple times in my life. I've been, And you mm-hmm. say, well, that we all have that little deja vu, you know, that we just think we've been somewhere, and it's the brain tricking us. But usually but, that's when you're in that situation. Yeah, I had that you... dream multiple times. I can tell you mm-hmm. what that house looked like. Are we about out of time here? Uh Anything else before I come to the conclusion of this episode? No, I think I don't I think we can conclude an episode. It's reincarnation. <laughs> right. It just keeps coming back. It just keeps returning. But okay, I'm not making fun of any reincarnation. No, don't want no. to our friends because we, we are all open, open-minded here. Okay, uh, I, I conclude this way. With so many convincing stories of reincarnation, can we really say with all certainty that it isn't a possibility? Are we to close our minds and? predetermined that any experience in life, be it near-death experiences or reincarnation experiences, they're untrue because they don't mirror our own interpretation of how God and the universe works. If we're ever to discover and become who God wants us to be, I believe we must first have an open mind. For after all, to try to speak to a closed mind would be like, quote, putting new wine into old wine skins. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your comments, whether you agree or, or don't agree, whichever side of a issue or topic uh, we present that you may be on. Please keep it civil and rooted in love. When we respond in anger, when anyone responds in anger, if I respond in anger to something, when my faith is challenged and I respond in anger, uh, when the way we think or believe is challenged, it might just be an indication that we may be just the slightest bit insecure in our belief. Till next time, God's grace and peace keep on seeking. Jeremiah 29, 13, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.